Hello, everybody. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. My name is Russ Frostick. Welcome to the Resties, where the best of the rest discuss the rest of the best. Today, we are talking about Tunic, a new game that I've been waiting for for five, six years. How long have we been waiting for this game? Uh, the game was announced at least a half decade ago. Yeah. Which and is wild. We're also going to talk about Nintendo's absolutely bonkers plan for 2022. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. First things first, Tunic, a game very heavily inspired by Zelda and Nintendo games. We'll talk about it right after this break. Okay, so Tunic is, I mean, clearly inspired by Zelda. It's not, it's not. Yeah, hiding. I mean, the, the name alone, uh, let alone, we'll get into what the actual game is, but the name alone, you know, Link wears a tunic. And in this case, Tunic is a game that stars a little adorable fox who kind of looks like Link, who is also wearing a little tunic. Is it green? I'm colorblind. I can't tell. Yeah, it's green. And also the the little fox has a a blade that looks like the kind of like the master sword and a shield that looks very Zelda-esque. Um you go from place to place in an open world, uh finding new weapons and abilities that make it so that you can go further into that big open world and that open world is full of, you know, mysterious creatures. And things like, I don't know, bushes that you can cut Go- down and grass. Yeah. Can, you can Goblin change. people and, and bushes and you need an upgrade to access this thing. It's like very traditional Zelda, but there is a hook to it. And before we get into the hook, I do want to talk about like the development of this game and why it has taken so long. Because at a glance, like mm-hmm. I love the visual style, but it's it's a very simple visual style. Um like miniatures, right? Like if you have miniature Yeah, it's toys, like tilt like... shift um, photography where everything looks like it's super teeny tiny kind of. Mm-hmm. And it uses a um, kind of low poly art style to render everything. So it's, it's a very clean look, um, but not necessarily like it's clear that like thousands of people were not needed to make this game, which is true because predominantly it was made by one guy, uh, Andrew Schuldice. Uh, who's based up in Canada, and uh, this was sort of his passion project for the last, again, uh, men, 2015 was like when it started. Yeah, I like, think I showing saw up it for the first time devs. in 2016. Yeah. yeah, I think I saw it at uh, Fantastic Fest. Yeah. Um, so pretty wild that the game is actually finally out and here. And... Um, yeah, so so at, on its surface, it's it's looks a lot like a Zelda game, but there is beneath the surface something that is very unique about this game that I I can't really put my finger on another game that has done something like this. Although Fez certainly jumps to mind. So do you want to do you want to say what the, the thing yeah okay? Is? It's not a so, big twist. We should be clear. It is literally central to the game so if you play the game for more than a minute you're going to experience this i just feel like we haven't seen it in a lot of the marketing imagine going to a used video game store and buying a japanese game and you've heard great things about this game but you do not speak japanese thankfully the store had a player's guide for sale alongside the game so you buy that as well and you bring it home Unfortunately, your older brother 
beats you up, steals the player's guide, and basically drip feeds it to you, but only when you desperately need it. That is what is going on inside of Tunic. There is a manual that is not entirely in English, but is mandatory for understanding the mechanics of the game, and it is fully baked into the game, but you only find specific pages kind of as you need them. Is that a yes. fair way to present it? Yeah, and the, and the pages of the manual and the game itself are in this fictional language. Yes. So you... you, you I, I, I have not done this yet. I'm curious if you have. You know what certain items are. So, I mean, so when you see, sort of. Sort of, but like when you see the word there, my guess is you could actually crack the language. I, I imagine it's more like a code than it is like a language. It well, seems it's like actually, they want you to crack it. Yeah, so in uh, Fez, the reason I mentioned Fez earlier, in Fez, which is a platforming game that came out 10 years ago at this point, um, there was actually a language within Fez and you could like, like letters, you know, their runic symbols translated to actual letters in the English language in this case. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case here because as you play the game and you discover, let's say you pick up a weird like crystal ball and then you mm. figure out the way the crystal ball works. If you go back into the manual that references the crystal ball, it'll now say defense, for example. Oh yeah, it like translates it back into English yes. as you discover things, right? Yeah, yes. that, that 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 is that is true. It's so yeah, so the, so the manual will kind of fill in. Yeah, you know, so like it's really you you're you're finding two things, right? You're finding pieces of the manual, and again with a tap of a button, like kind of like a digital PDF mm -hmm. of this manual appears on the screen, and you can flip through the pages as you click yeah. them. So you're finding those, but then you're also discovering things by experimenting with the game. And once you've done it once for yourself, like, should we just say how to upgrade in the game? Is that like a thing? I'm going to give you a better one. I'm going to give you a better one. Because um, this is like the most simple thing in the world. And it took me a good three hours. Oh, my. Chris Plant, do you know how to run in this game? Oh, Yeah. I figured, okay. yeah, you, you, you do a roll, and then you keep holding down the roll button. Yeah, you just hold down the dash button. It's actually exactly how it is in Elden Ring. Did not, I did not realize that you could run in this game. So for the first three hours of playing oh, this no. game, I was like, man, you move kind of slow. I was just rolling around everywhere, and then I'd run out <laughs> of stamina, and I'd keep trying to roll until I found a page where it said, like, tired, question mark? And then it showed like a little picture of the A button and uh, you hold it down, you know, it's like shows you holding it down while you're moving and it just makes you run. And I was like, what? That's, yeah. I was shocked. It like, yeah. and that's like a core mechanic of the game that is just like not explicitly told to you. I'm, I'm really curious what people will think of this game. And like, I feel like it's going to break down by generations and then also the type of gamers from each generation i i'm really smitten with it because i imported quite a few games when i was a kid yeah uh because i was a dork and i wanted to be able to play power stone you know six months before everybody else or sure or echo the dolphin on dreamcast and this was like 
a core experience of my childhood was doing a version of what you're talking about. You would, you know, get a game that would be in Japanese. And then you would either have to get a strategy guide with it and try to make sense of it. Or you would get like the manual that just came with the game, um, which often was, you know, much richer than anything that you could imagine coming with the game today. Um, and kind of what I think this game is riffing on, it, the, the, the guide looks like a lot of NES era um, instruction manuals. Yeah, or like even like the stuff you'd see in Nintendo Power when yeah. Nintendo Power was still a thing. Those yeah. sorts of like maps and little like tool uh, like tips and stuff like that, that you're right, like has a, could totally died and is like a bygone art form to the point where like, I think if anyone's only been playing games for the last... 20 years they probably have no idea what this is referencing but i i mean it's awesome i i I hope that they sort of are able to appreciate it as well because you're right it does feel like a generational nod yeah yeah and then and i think that people will enjoy it even without that context but i do wonder if you know somebody who's like a teenager now who plays this if it's just treated like a I don't know, like a cipher. Like it's like, oh, it's uh, I have to unlock a code. Um, versus like this is this is very much trying to recreate a a very particular experience for a certain type of person. But but I would say like the person that's like just trying to unlock a code is also right because it's not just as simple as hey, here's a strategy guide. Like it is also hey, here's a strategy guide and we're not giving you all the information in this guide. Like most of the strategy guide is gibberish intentionally and you have to like the little bits and pieces that they do give you, you have to make sense of. There's yeah. I, there's like little items where you'll just see, it'll just say like HP plus MP minus. And you, I mean, that's a pretty straightforward one, but there are more KG ones where it's like, you just have no idea what this item does until maybe you use it. Or you just kind of experiment and try a bunch of different things. Or eventually you get like a page that's more explicit about what that item is. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I think that makes sense. I guess I guess the thing for me is the nostalgia of it all is so good that I, I love the game kind of on that alone. Yeah. <laughs> with its art design. And I'm curious how people who don't have that connection will feel about the game itself. Because as a Zelda game, it's it's certainly good but it can be a a little opaque not in the best way at times Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't say the combat is great i would say it's good but for a game that does have this kind of like zelda sort of dark soulsy you know every hit matters you dodge and you have a shield eventually i don't know there's something about it that's a little lumpy yeah, well, we, we, you know, the comparison that jumps to mind is Death's Door, which came out last year. They're both isometric Souls-likes. Um, and Death's Door, you're right, felt like tighter than this. So it is a little bit plodding in that way. I think, um, you know, the art style for me and, and even the music, which we haven't really talked about, the music's lovely, uh, very ambient and like vibey, um, kind of helps elevate it. But but. I think those, yeah, the combat definitely could be a little bit sharper. Um, I think it is more about just the puzzle of it. And you do need to have that level of patience where it's like, well, I'm not 100% sure where to go, 
but I feel like I haven't explored this area enough. I feel like I'm missing something here. Yeah. Um, and being willing to like have the patience to go back. I haven't gotten massively, like I feel like I've been making progress. There were a couple moments where I was like, oh, I'm not 100% sure, but usually the player guidance is pretty good. Whereas, the, you know, some of the puzzles in Fez, you could give me 10,000 years or even Elden Ring for that matter, most recently. You could give me 10,000 years with this NPC side quest and I would never figure it out. And here I think actually the player guidance is quite good. I, I agree. I've gotten stuck a bit more than you. It's I'm not, pretty smart. Well, you, well, it's not smart because <laughs> it's not a, the puzzles that I'm getting stuck on. It's like, oh, I, I quite literally don't know where to go next. Well, but um, I'm smart because I figured out where to go next. That, that is true. You, you are. You, that's what I always say about you. Um, uh, I, I do think there's like just a narrative, like a reading the developer kind of cues to some extent, but also like it's very easy to miss the corner and, that we were supposed to be walking to. And if you miss that one corner where that like must must have item is, then it can be yes, kind of a drag. That, that's the thing is there are a few choke points where like the way out of an area, yeah. there's only one way out. So yeah. you can find yourself backtracking a little while trying to find that spot. And if you happen to miss it one or two times, then you've done multiple rounds of backtracking and then you get a little frustrated, which is what there was. There was a single page in the manual, talking about the manual again, that when I found it, I was like, oh my God, there are like six places I need to go and try this out now. Like that level of oh. mind blowing, which is really cool because it's stuff that I could have done before finding the manual if I even thought to do it. It's, it's um, you know, we're referencing a lot of games, but Outer Wilds does this as well, where it's like, they're not locking you out of doing these things. You just wouldn't even think to yeah. try it. Well, it, it's funny. We were texting last night and I think both of us were like, pretty warm on the game but maybe not quite in love with it yet yeah and i think this is one of those games where it starts out kind of rote and just doing yep. the thing that you expect it to do and then very gradually it is surprising you in pretty quiet ways yep. until you take a look back at the manual that you've collected as a whole and you're like well hot damn there's a lot there's a lot going on here um that I, I haven't picked up. And I'm not even sure if I have to. Like, I, I kind of wonder how much of the game is non-mandatory. Uh, yeah, um, I think there probably is a lot of optional stuff in the game. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's yeah, it's just cute. That's, that's Mosey um, was playing, wanted to watch me play it last night, which usually is not his thing. And he was like, oh, that fox is having an adventure. He's <laughs> so cute. And then I mean, he giving him kisses. And I was like, yeah, it's true. He's quite <laughs> not cute. during a boss fight, but please. Yeah. Oh, oh, let me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it certainly didn't help. Uh, not to mention the boss fights. I've, I've had one big boss fight. I'm at it right now. And that's where I'm kind of worried about the combat. Yeah, there are there through any of them. Yeah, I, I, I've beaten probably two of the larger boss fights. And um, yeah, it's definitely hard. It is in, I wouldn't say it's harder than Elden Ring because it kind of met. There is an element to which it's a little bit harder than Elden Ring because there's not really an alternative to doing these boss fights. You can't just like go off and like, you know, you're going to be sort of gated in terms of how powerful you can get at certain points of the game. So you kind of just have to do it. That being said, there are accessibility features. There's an accessibility mode in the options menu. 
um, where you can turn off, I think you can more or less have infinite health and stamina. So oh. if you're really just in it for the puzzle and the experience of it, they have that option too, which is great to see. Love it. Yeah, that's not a bad option for this game too. Yeah. Because I hmm, I might turn that on. I'm, yeah. I'm back and forth. I might have to think about that because I I am enjoying all of that stuff. The com- Again, the combat's not bad. No. It's just... It's a little, it's just a little hinky. I, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, uh, do, do you find the world too opaque? By that, I mean, oh, okay, here's, here's a good comparison. When we talked about Death's Door last year, uh, issue that we had with it was there not being an overworld map, right? Yes. And that the map was really dense and labyrinthian. And there is this question of like, how do you even make a map for it because of kind of the weirdness of its camera angles and sure. the way it builds its isometric world. This game, in theory, has similar problems, but two parts. I think the world is... Well, it just has clearer visual choices of, like, the past that you're on. It has more landmarks. Yeah. Um, I, I think it doesn't all kind of bleed together the way that Dark... Uh, or not Dark Bird. <laughs> dark Souls with Birds. <laughs> um, where the way Death Story did... Uh, but also, I think the manual, the way that they do maps in it is really cool. There is a full-on map in the well, manual. There's a, there's a few things. There's a full-on map, but then there are also places where there's individual dungeon maps. Yeah. And then there are also these things that are kind of like, you see it in AAA games now and then, and I know it's a thing that you love, where it's a picture of a landmark or a, a little corner of the world with like, you know, like a treasure map type of look to it of like, oh... X on this spot is where you should head yep. to. And I all three of those things together when I have those in an open world game, I find quite overwhelming mm. because they're in different menus and I kind of can't piece it all together. But what's cool about this strategy guide format is it's doing that work for me. Um, so, it, yeah, in that way, it feels actually quite helpful and generous now that I think about it. Yeah, and, and not only that, it shows you in the strategy guide, it kind of breaks the illusion a little bit, but it shows you where you are on the map in the strategy guide. If you find mm. the part that the place where you are on the map, there will be a little oh. fox icon there to show you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very Which true. is helpful because the map is not isometric. It's actually straight on. And the game is isometric, which I think is intentionally a little bit confusing to make it such that like... Well, A, it'd be hard to make an isometric map, as you said. But B, I think they didn't want to make it, like, so obvious to know exactly what you were looking at. Yeah. So you you played this on your desktop, right? Yes. I, I, uh, trust me when I say I wish I was playing on Steam Deck. That's, I think that was going to be my question. Because I, I played it on Steam Deck, and it felt perfect. I mean, this yeah. felt like, you know, they're, 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 it'll be the new thing, I'm sure, just like it was with Nintendo Switch. You're like, oh, no, this is a killer app. But wow, this game felt so cool to have as a portable. Yeah, I think this is like the perfect example because it's a game that has like very clear visual identity, does not require like whatever 4K graphics to like sell the point and, you know, can be, uh, you know, a little bit like thoughtful and puzzly sometimes. So it's good to be able to just like turn it off and then come back to it. Um, you know, I've been playing at my desk effectively and I'd rather just be able to like chill on the couch and pick yeah. away at it. But, um, you this know, is, it, it's such a small thing, 
But having the instruction manual in the game be the size of an actual instruction manual that you're holding in your hand. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Feels very cool. Yeah, that's um, neat. Yeah, I, I, obviously this was <laughs> in development long before I, that was even a possibility. Yeah. But it just feels like such a natural fit on this device. It would be that's cool, though. The one thing that I think might be missing, when you're looking through the manual, you can see like someone's written stuff, like pen marks in the mm -hmm. manual itself. You can zoom in. I, and I know you can zoom in, but I don't know. I kind of want to be able to make notes on the manual. Oh, uh, that would be. Cool. I don't know how you would do that with a controller in a good way, but maybe yeah. being able to like drop markers or something. I don't know. Anyway, that was just uh, like a, a maybe quibble. when it gets a Steam release or not Steam <laughs> when it gets a, a Switch release. Maybe yeah, you would get something like that. I feel like could, this should come be. to Switch, right? Like, I don't think there's anything about it that is. Yeah, so it's weird because I think. There is maybe more. I, I don't know how well optimized this. I mean, Death's Door came to Switch, so in theory, it, this should as well. Yeah. Um, right now, it's exclusive to Xbox and PC, I believe. Um, mm. I think it will probably eventually come to Switch, so long as it, there's not like a weird back end thing that's making it more uh, of a processor churn than you think it is. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, well, speaking of. We should probably go and talk about the Switch. It's not like this game needs to come out on the Switch because the Switch is going to be so, so busy with video games. This it's a busy year. year. It's a busy year. Um, do you have any any other thoughts on Tunic before we before we swap? No, I I, I look forward to people trying it out, especially if you're into uh, like Zelda early Zelda era, um, and I'd recommend just having some patience with it be okay with not knowing 100% where to go. That is the game, is sort of piecing that together and figuring it out. You could always look at a guide, and I'm yeah. sure there will be tons of them when the game is out. But, um, th you know, try to try to solve as much as you can for yourself, because I think it'll be really rewarding if you figure it out. And uh, if you find the combat too tough, use the accessibility features. That's what they're there for. Yeah, I, I agree. I think in terms, I usually always say, just use a guide. There's no shame in it. In this case, Think of the frustrating bits more like puzzles, yeah, than like the game being a, a pain, <laughs> because it, it is purposely being opaque most of the time, and usually for the better. Usually yeah, because it wants you to have the pleasure of discovery. Um, there are exceptions. Don't feel bad if you need to look up uh, how to upgrade your character because both Rush and I had the epiphany last night. I think like midnight you texted me. Yeah, some, well, yeah, somewhere in there. I was like, what? Uh, it's, it's a pretty great surprise. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. We will uh, talk with you all right after this break. Okay, Fresh. I wanted to talk about the Nintendo lineup for 2022 mm -hmm. because it seems impossible like it doesn't seem that hard uh, okay i'm gonna go th i'm gonna go through the list i'm Ready? looking at the list okay but yeah the, go through it there are two new pokemon games right one that is the first major um departure for the series which is out already which is out already, but it still counts for 2022. Pokemon Legends Arceus. The other one, uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, which is a mainline entry. It looks like a, a pretty significant upgrade to the core Pokemon games in a way that maybe the past two or three entries haven't been, right? 
Maybe. Like, it looks <laughs> like it looks like it could be open world. Um, maybe. I mean, we'll see. It, it, I'm just. I'm skeptical, it, but yeah. It's still a new new core entry. It is in, that in that is a big deal, and and more recent than I was expecting it to arrive. I was yes, not expecting much. it so soon. We got the new open world Kirby game, which comes out like now. Yeah. We have a, a a brand new Wii Sports sequel, which I just was not ready for. And if you don't the like the third that, in the Wii Sports franchise, right? It's true. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. There's Mario Strikers, another in sequel June to a sports game. I didn't think we'd get in June. Yeah. There's the Fire Emblem. Warriors Wait one second. Game. I want to talk about Mario Strikers for a second. Okay. Next to Mario Golf, Mario mm. Golf Advance, which we've talked about in this show, Mario Strikers might be the best Mario sports game ever made. The original, which came out on oh, yeah. GameCube, I believe. It is fucking spectacular. If you uh, are able to get like another person around the screen, it is, if you like FIFA, it's like FIFA, but much smaller and faster and <laughs> uh, with fucking plumbers and shit. It's, it's so like good, FIFA man. Because it's soccer. Is that like the only comparison? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, they are both <laughs> soccer, but it's like three on three soccer. It's, man, I have such fond memories of playing Myra Strikers. Anyway. We're going to yeah. go from that to to utter dejection on my part. So, go ahead. Oh, Fire Emblem Warriors 3 Hopes. You you're not you're not excited for so one of these games. So fucking bummed about that game. Yeah? So bummed. Uh yeah, I saw I as people might know, I'm a huge Fire Emblem fan. Uh and when I saw the trailer for Fire Emblem Warriors 3 Hopes, all I saw was like, "Oh, these look like Fire Emblem characters and they're fighting." And I was so so excited because I thought it was going to be a follow-up to um three houses and which i loved and uh then it said warriors at the end of the trailer and i was like i hate all those games goodbye (laughs) so i was really let down that it was a uh, dynasty warriors uh knockoff which yeah they're just not for me here's another game that you are probably not excited about i'm very excited about splatoon 3 also correct not excited about yeah splatoon i Goodness gracious, I love these games. The art style is great. I like the art style. They're multiplayer games that I can actually play. And Are they? I get destroyed. In. Oh, I get man. destroyed I, in Splatoon. I, I don't know what it is, but it's. I think it's because it's not about uh, reflexes or precision. It's about strategy. And it, it's is a it? thinking person's first person yeah, shooter. I don't know. Or third person I shooter. just, you know, you say that, but then like... Some dude with like dual Uzi paint guns comes around the corner and just wrecks me, and suddenly it's not about strategy anymore. Mm, it's because you're not good at video games. Yes. Um, they don't have dates right now, but Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope, a sequel to a shockingly good, uh, what would you call it? Like XCOM style. Yeah, it's a Mario. it's a turn based tactical strategy game. Yeah. Um, with Mario and friends. <laughs> And then in the rabbits, um, in Advance Wars One Plus Two Reboot Camp, which has been indefinitely delayed because there's an actual war happening, and Nintendo is trying to be, I think, respectful of of that. Though they don't yeah, care. I mean, a hundred percent. In the press release, I don't think they actually name the reason. They're like, you know, world events. I think they're pretty. It's pretty okay. obvious why the game is being delayed. It was, for what it's worth, delayed from last year to this year and now i think in this case the game is done and they just don't want anything close to real life you know it's a cartoony war game but still nintendo is 
probably rightfully being very sensitive. Yeah, I, I, I think it's the right call. Um, there's also Xenoblade Chronicles 3, yeah. which I don't have, I don't think either of us have gotten into this series. No, I've tried. It's, I know. I mean, it's just, the, I've, I've tried, it's just not for me, man. Yeah, but, but it has a massive audience. It's it so does. big that People Nintendo it. ended its big press event with that. And, and um, they added Xenoblade characters to, um, like multiple Xenoblade characters to oh, yeah. Smash Brothers. Yeah, they're all over the place. Can't escape them. Okay, then yeah. we have Pokemon, Scarlet and Violet. Yep. And somewhere at the end of the year... Yeah, you we... put this on here, interestingly. What? Oh, oh, the Super Mario Brothers movie? Yeah. I took this... To, I, I, I meant to say this up top. This list is uh, coming to us from fandom. So okay. So you can find this list on fandom. Um, I do think the Super Mario Brothers movie is relevant because we have a bet about there maybe being a Super Bar- Mario Brothers movie mobile game. Right. I know. Well, not specific mobile, but so, uh, really Some any sort of spin-off. new Super Mario Brothers platforming game. Yeah, correct. Um, and then the sequel to Breath of the Wild, which doesn't have a name, and Bayonetta 3. I thought All- Breath of the Wild had a 2022 release date. What year are we in? 2022. Okay. And I thought so, it had a 2022 release date. Right. So, so that why would be this say- year. Yeah, so, okay, you wrote TBA like it's not coming out this year. Well, no, I think these are all all things that are coming out this year. Oh, okay, guaranteed, okay. Well, not guaranteed, yeah. but well, yeah. Well, they're, they're supposed to be coming out in 2022. I understand. That's a ton of games. They, they, you know, for a company that, you know, they're kind of notorious for releasing three or four games maybe a year that are the things that you want to play. I mean, for but in the Switch era, it hasn't been that few titles yeah that's true but, it, I mean, this is more than normal i, I will grant lot. you and it, and if you look at this right now like games that definitely got were probably planned for last year and then got moved probably kirby if i had to guess that wasn't publicly stated but um i would say probably well certainly one advanced of these Wars. pokemon games has to have been delayed yeah right? one of the pokemon games is probably shoved so i mean this is what honestly this is what i would expect from all the other game publishers and we're not really seeing it which is like a insanely jam-packed year but right now we've had an insanely jam-packed first quarter and then there's kind of a gap this weird gap in may when normally things are much busier so i guess nintendo will have to pick up the slack yeah it would be nice if if one of these tba games mysteriously (laughs) dropped during then but i i kind of doubt it i think it's just going to be a bonkers fall and and that's what's wild to me is the switch getting the new Xenoblade, a new Pokemon, and a new Zelda, and potentially Bayonetta, all in the same kind of fall season. That just seems dense. Do you think that, like, one, do you think it'll happen? And two, do you think it's a good idea? I mean, it kind of depends on what their long-term plans are. You know, we've been kind of they've been dangling the prospect of the switch pro in front of us and at this point it's been so long that i think it's probably just going to be a new console um so it's possible that they want to get this stuff out that was not designed for new hardware um Mm. then again the switch pros you know there's some evidence that a lot of these games were designed with the hardware for the switch pro and then had it pulled from the code so I don't know. Do I think it's a good idea? I think Nintendo wants to put out games and make a lot of money, especially while they're riding high with this huge install base. 
So hell yeah. I don't think yeah. they're competing with themselves. That makes sense. And I, I guess they don't have to really worry about cannibalism because they they don't put their own games on sale ever anyway. Right. So whether you buy the game now that it's out or you buy it in two years, they're still going to make the same amount of money and you're eventually going to buy it. They're pretty confident that you will not be able to resist for for long. And they have plenty of reason to believe that where you look at their games and how they just keep selling consistently. Yeah, the back catalog is entirely how Nintendo just destroys everyone else because no one is buying, you know, Xbox games from three years ago. But people are definitely buying Breath of the Wild all the time or Animal Crossing or, you know, whatever other game uh, is from several years ago on the Switch um, because you're right. Like, that's... they. Everyone knows that when you buy a first-party Nintendo game for the most part, you're getting, like, a very high-quality thing so they can afford to, you know, charge full price. Yeah, even we didn't even mention the secret game in here, mm-hmm. which is all of the uh, the expansion tracks for Mario Kart 8. <laughs> I mean, how many? It's like what? It's a lot of expansion. Thirty tracks, or forty true. tracks or something. Some just astonishing number of tracks. I mean, I guess they had a lot of success with the Smash Brothers DLC packs, and they're like, we could just copy this over. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I am extremely excited for that. I haven't revisited that game in a long time because when it came out on the Switch, we had already, I think, really enjoyed it on the Wii U. So yeah. I was, I enjoyed it on the Switch, but I kind of forgot about it. And I checked in recently because of this news of these expansion packs. Do you know there are 48 tracks in the game now? I Is that more tracks than they started with? Yeah, I, I believe a lot more. I believe that they've added quite a bit to this game. Well, because they had they had all the DLC that came out on the Wii U, so that brought the track number up a lot. But it's possible they've released more stuff since then. I'll have to do you, check. Uh, ask yourself, person listening, ask yourself internally: Do you need ninety eight tracks for Mario Kart? Do you? How many times can you drive around and have? Eh, there's a pipe. There's, well, that pipe's in a different spot. <laughs> that's uh, that's my question for both it and um, Super Smash Brothers for the next. No, game, Smash right? Brothers, I get it. I get well, it. Smash. Yeah, but what do you do after this? You know, how do you, uh, yeah, how do you make fair. Mario Kart Nine? And it's like, oh, you enjoyed those ninety tracks or whatever. Well, great, we've got twenty. Yeah, um, I get uh, the Street Fighter games are kind of the comparison to this, right? Where they you know, introduce a new installment of Street Fighter. And we've got one coming up with, what is it, six? Street Fighter six. They're not going to include, I don't think the character count's going to be as high as it was in five necessarily. Um, and then they slow to, slowly build back up to it. Um, and I think it doesn't matter because people still buy it. Like, honestly, like people understand that you're getting a different experience and will take the hit of uh, losing some of the content in that to that extent. Yeah, I guess I, I I looked up the Mario Kart Eight. I think I think you may be right. I think it might have felt big because it was including all the Wii U DLC. Yeah, but everything like, just kind of blurs together at that point. Yeah, I I I think that what confuses me about Mario Kart Nine as a concept is it Mario Kart games had done this in the past. They they'd used other courses or other yeah. tracks from previous games, so. How would Mario Kart 9 even work then? If there are effectively no tracks left to add. I mean, there will still be, you know. Yeah, 
Yeah, I I mean, sure. And they refresh them and stuff. Good it ones. is always interesting to me, though, how they like bring like a Game Boy Advance track to like an HD system. Uh, that's yeah. always like a fun design challenge. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I did remember while we were talking, I did remember they added uh, Link and his motorcycle to mm. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And um, I think they added a, a Zelda like map, a track when they did that. So that was fresh, a good one. the two games, Mario Kart 8, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe have sold a combined 51 million copies. That's pretty good. That's ridiculous. That's pretty good, man. That's, that's more than pretty good. That's like, what, that has to be top 10 best-selling video games of all time? It's gotta be. I I have to imagine. I I I cannot. I'm trying to think of like, oh, oh I, I okay, I, here it is. That puts it at number seven of the best-selling video games. Uh, we're bundling time. them together. Uh, yeah, if, if you're bundling. I mean, the it, Wii U version, what did it sell? Six copies. <laughs> yeah, also like a lot of the things that are are on this list of top games. It's like Minecraft, Grand Theft Auto Five. you know, yeah. stuff that those are themselves kind of bundles. Like, it, yeah. It's funny to include Minecraft in here, which has 238 million. Because it's like, well, sure, there are roughly a trillion versions of it on every yeah, but people that, are buying know, and buying it over and over again on different. Oh platforms. yeah, of that course. Counts. It's just it's hard to compare that to you know a single something platform, like yeah. uh, I'm I'm trying to even look for a game that actually hasn't been re released multiple times. I, Duck Hunt. Well, that doesn't count. <laughs> Borderlands Two, maybe. I I don't know. Yeah. Wow, this is this is a deeply strange list. I Connect Adventures is number thirty nine. 24 million sold. I yeah, guess but it probably came with... Uh, it did. Connect, it came right? with... It came with... Yeah. The, so a lot of these... The bundle. That's why Duck Hunt's on that list. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It, it looks like a FIFA would be the best example of a game that is not already tied to... Which installment of FIFA? FIFA 18 oh. is the 39th best-selling game of all time. This is great podcast content. <laughs> Ronaldo <laughs> was great in FIFA 18. That's why people got it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think it's overall smart. I, I think that I do think that they will just release everything if they have the opportunity to. I don't think we're going to see them hold Breath of the Wild just because Pokemon is coming out. Yeah, no, definitely not. A month earlier. Definitely. Not. Um, the big question for me is like, when will, when will they launch? Like my, my suspicion would be, you know, Breath of the Wild in October. Yeah, November, um, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And then Pokemon December. Um, just because, it, not that Nintendo cares about stuff like Game of the Year list, but I don't know. It feels like uh, that October, November area is where the cultural conversation stuff is. Well, and, and it's then also, December is, we just know that you want to buy this for Christmas. Yeah. Christmas buying. I mean, there's a reason why all the games come out in the holidays. It's, you know, they got to get that money. It's true. You do got to get that money. Yeah. Uh, any anything? Any other thoughts on Nintendo before we wrap? No, I would just say like I know this looks like a busy list. It's I think the weird thing here is that we know so much about Nintendo's lineup this early in the year. Usually yeah. we do not know this much until like E three time, and they're being weirdly uh, much more open about what their like full slate is. So I would be surprised if there are like. I'd be surprised if there's anything else. And if it stays at this list, 
this is definitely a more packed year, but I wouldn't say it's like an outrageous year if you're spreading this across the 12 months. This doesn't it's, seem like totally out of whack. What I could see is we, we talked about May being the clear month that's empty on this, yeah. this calendar. That in May we get a surprise Nintendo Direct update that is catching us up on like what's on Nintendo Direct Online and all that stuff. And then they're like, oh, by the way, these two uh, GameCube Zelda yeah. remasters are available right now. Yeah, we've um, all been waiting for the Wind Waker slash Twilight Princess HD bundle, um, which will come eventually. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, it's been rumored for quite some time now. And certainly I agree with you. I think it could be, I could even be like a, and it's out right now situation, quite honestly. Yeah, which uh, this year would make the most sense. Also, if they could pull that off in May, it'd be doing pretty well because there yep. would not be much to compete with. That's true. Um, and I would love for us to do a Wind Waker episode of the show. Oh. I, yeah, I I watched a friend beat that game, but I've never gotten too far into it myself. Oh, it's great. It's lovely. Um, yeah, very guess, very tunic esque, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, also the I will, I don't I feel like I shouldn't spoil it, but the the final image uh, of of battle between Link and somebody has really stuck with me over the years. Yeah, uh, it's, so it's I, a very I'm, I'm visually striking. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, uh, I think we can start to wrap up. Do you have a recommendation of the week? Um, I did watch a movie that you recommended uh, a while back, French Dispatch, which is now streaming oh. on HBO Max, um, the Wes Anderson movie. Um, yeah. I liked it a lot. It was very yeah. cool. I have only watched the first act so far, but I really <laughs> liked it. It's a lot to take in. It's like maybe one of the most dense, like visually dense movies I've ever seen because every single frame is like, very packed i mean not only because it's shot in uh, what do they call that academy format with the edges yeah, cut yeah, off. yeah um but also um yeah it's really like the epitome of wes anderson's style and so if you like his stuff definitely check that out it is streaming now so you watched the it's two segments probably the owen wilson segment and the benicio oh, del yeah. toro and leah saidu yes segment. yes yes yeah Those two. yeah it's it's great um yeah. I, everyone i talked to has a different favorite i feel like a lot of people have one that they don't like at all but i haven't noticed a lot of consistency yeah interesting Um, i i really like both of those so far yeah i i enjoy all of it i it is i i obviously i think we're biased but it's really affectionate towards writers and editors and Mm kind of how weird this whole business is and it just made me feel really good about like yeah. what we do and what what there what like that is about, clearly about the New Yorker and um, the Paris Review and a, a number of other things, but it's still there, there's kind of a universalness universality to it. Yeah, I, I like the touching. seeing the the conf, uh, the the contrast I, I should say of the like business elements of running a paper versus the like artistic spiritual elements the touchy-feely stuff the touchy-feely stuff so you have the editors sort of representing one side and the writers representing the other and they're all working for the same end goal but don't always have the like number one priority in uh in line with one another yes i think i think i i'm I'm really excited for you to watch the rest because i feel like that's where we live now 
and Polygon is yeah. the, the intersection of those two things. And it's yeah. such a weird spot to be in, um, but also is rewarding in its own way. Um, that is very cool. I I probably have already recommended this film on this, like, I don't know, a um, couple months ago. But I watched Paprika again, uh, the Satoshi Kon uh, animated film that very clearly inspired Inception. Uh, I got a chance to see it on a big screen at the Frida Cinema in Santa Ana, which I just love. And if you live in LA or in Orange County or in this area, you should definitely patron because it's great to have uh, a small art house like that in the area. Anyway, Paprika, just fantastic. You, If you're curious about it, it's very weird and extremely dense. I have watched it four times now in my life and I feel like I'm kind of getting my arms around it um but if you're curious you should just youtube search paprika intro like the Mm. opening credits um because it gives you a real vibe that (laughs) you'll know if you want to watch the movie just off that yeah um yeah that's it cool we did it we did another episode we did it uh next time Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know it's a (laughs) It's, it's a little ways away. We're recording this a little early, so the next episode is like, uh, yeah, a good chunk of time away. We'll come up with something fun, I promise. It's going to be great. I can't I can't believe we're doing that. Oh, that's going to be exciting. <laughs> uh, that's it for the resties. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, I am Christopher Thomas Plant. I'm you Russ are, Oh, yeah. No, that, that's your name. That's right. Uh, and, uh, and we're the resties. We're the best of the rest. Discuss the rest of the best. <laughs>